The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 291 got a returning guest to the show talk some mlb draft which is taking place next wednesday june 10th talk about some dynasty prospects and much much more in order to do so you can find them on twitter at prospects jesus ralph lifshitz how we doing man how's it going man it's happy good. to be on bubba i appreciate you coming back joining the show it's always fun i i still remember the first time you're on you um I think this was Raphael Devers still hadn't made a big impact yet. And you were telling me about how you saw him hitting in Pawtucket and everything and the sound he made off his bat. And I'll never forget that. And then we talked to, I think it's when Shohei Otani was coming over. You wrote a big, big article for Razzball. Yeah. And it's amazing what has happened since that first time. Like you got uh, prospects live going on. You still got Razzball kicking. So let everybody know what you got going on, where they can find all your great stuff. Yeah, so uh, you know, obviously have the the site now, uh, prospects live, and you know we're you know across a bunch of different mediums. Um, you know, of course, a ton of written content on the site, a lot of rankings. Uh, we we just finished up doing all of the top thirties uh, for every single major league organization. So nine hundred total prospects. We'll have all of those ranked. We do fantasy rankings as well. Um, and you're you know just because we're prospect guys doesn't mean that we're not good fantasy guys. You know, Eddie, uh, Alligator on our team, one of our main editors, one of our main writers, and myself, uh, you know, both uh, going to pat myself on the back here, top five in TGFBI first two years. Um, so we talk mostly dynasty rankings. We haven't delved into any redraft stuff as of yet. Um, and then we do a ton of content on YouTube that's specific to player videos. So we go to a lot of games. Um, there's a bunch of us, you know, spread out all across the country. And we see things, you know, from all the different affiliated minor league leagues independent ball will be coming in uh, soon as the draft gets cut down and indie ball is going to see an influx of talent. So there's going to be a lot more 
heavy scouting being done on those games. So we're going to be all over it. We hired uh, a, uh, uh, a young lady by the name of Chelsea Ladd to, to cover independent ball for us. And she released her first article today on the site. Uh, but beyond that, we've been doing a lot more streams. I did a draft stream the other night, answered some questions with uh, my good friend, Brian Sikowski, who's uh, one of the big names in terms of uh, perfect game. Uh, he's their national scouting supervisor. So he's a guy that sees all these players, college and prep, almost from the time they're 15 and up, uh, right to the point they get drafted. So uh, he's a wealth of information and I got a lot of other talented folks uh, on the team. And due to all this work we've done with video, we've been lucky enough to get an opportunity to um, provide ESPN with over 40 draft videos uh, awesome. for their upcoming draft coverage for this year. Of course, they're looking for something to cover. I guess all eyes are, I guess, now on the MLB draft. So um, we had uh, provided about five or six videos, uh, Marco Luciano, CJ Abrams, and a couple others for MLB uh, .com or MLB Network, excuse me, their their top 100 broadcast that they did. Um, we provided a, a lot of video to them, uh, but this is much more substantial, a lot more videos. It's just granted all the players get drafted, which may not be the case this year. We'll get into that a little bit later, but it's a really cool opportunity. And uh, just because we're, we're really ungrateful uh, about all the opportunities we're getting, we're running, a, 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 a <laughs> I guess, a competing show. Not that ESPN is all that worried about a little prospect <laughs> live, but uh, we're going to be doing another, another broadcast. We had done one um, back on May 1st where the, we did a mock draft and we had brought in um, 30 different, you know, prospect writers, most of them specific to teams. Uh, so they're, they're folks that, you know, work for publications or potentially somebody like pinstripes prospects for the Yankees or Sox prospects for the Red Sox, but they're, you know, uh, uh, sites and writers that focus specifically on one team and their prospects. We reached out to them, said, would you like to represent your given team in a, you know, this made up 30 round draft. And we did the first three rounds of the MLB draft. It was a four hour show, uh, Eddie, Matt Thompson and myself, but we had a ton of fun. We were able to pull up all of our video that we shot throughout the night of all the different players that were drafted uh, interact with some really knowledgeable folks, not only about the draft, but also about their teams. Uh, we're going to do something similar to that. And it's just going to be a uh, live broadcast and we're going to go pick by pick. We have some really interesting visual stuff. that's going to be set up, um, you know, on the stream, full ticker, uh, some really cool transition stuff. Of course, all of our video, we're working on getting that stuff to make sure that it, it uh, runs perfectly with no lag or did some streams up today, but uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, doing, I've been doing content pretty much every day since I've been home, writing, watching, watching games, uh, watching old MILB games, writing scouting reports on pitchers in the draft, uh, adjusting my rankings, working on, uh, you know, actual, uh, draft write-ups for, you know, our, our top 100 that we released and even some write-ups that still have not been released. Uh, we're kind of waiting for everyone to get drafted. There's a lot of stuff we've been doing, um, and I plan to expand onto, into a lot more. I, I plan to expand into MLB and, uh, you know, redraft content and, uh, heck, baseball cards. I'm not a big there collector myself, but uh, we have a really thriving community on the Prospect Lives Discord. You can join that uh, just by uh, reaching out to us on Twitter. We'll be happy to send you an invite. Uh, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in there from everything from learning how to write with R and, you know, do your own sort of data research. And Smod is working with some of the guys there on some of that stuff. Um, to just talking about scouting and video to fantasy baseball to 
you know, chatting about, you know, MLB and there's a great baseball card uh, channel as well. So really I want to build our site into sort of a haven for anything baseball content related uh, we'll be able to provide. Uh, you know, that's what my dream in five years. If you ask me what prospect live will be, it will be my job and, and we'll be covering um, all areas of baseball as good or as better than anybody. Yeah. And uh, A, that sounds amazing. B, I really believe that's going to happen because just watching you guys grow from what it started. I know Matt pretty well uh, from F, uh, FWFB. And, and then I've talked to some of your other guys also. Smata is just a, a genius when it comes to stats and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you have quite the crew and you just keep building them with like Shelly and all the other ones there. So it's awesome it, that when I saw you tweeted out the ESPN deal, I'm like, that is absolutely amazing. And then of course the, the uh, sarcastic guy and me started chuckling when you guys said you're gonna have your same one at, at the same time. I'm like, that is perfect because um, pretty much anybody that follows you already or follows somebody from Prospects Live is going to watch your guys' feed over the ESPN feed. So that's going to be awesome because I heard nothing but great things about the mock draft. I talked to the Welsh afterwards and some other guys. They just, it was awesome. Like a job well done. So if you keep expanding on that kind of stuff and then you take it to different topics and uh, go to redraft and all kinds of deals, yeah, you guys are going to to lock and load that in, in a big way. It's going to be awesome to see where Prospects Live is headed and where it gets to because I believe it. Uh, you know, you guys, Pitcher List, uh, Fangraphs, a few other sites, there's some big, big heavy hitters that are here to take down the the big names per se. So that's it's fun to see. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick. It wasn't on the outline, but you mentioned her name. I saw the article today Chelsea Ladd put out there on the international or the independent leagues, and you mentioned it, and we'll kind of probably hit on more of it when we talk draft, but there's like seven independent leagues, which I did not know about. And um, you think a lot of players are going to go there, and I'm assuming you're thinking that because there's more than only there's only five rounds this year, obviously. But um, do you think a lot of them are kind of already going to be signing with an independent league? Do you think they're going to do other things, sign with teams? Because I know there's teams that can sign these guys that don't get drafted. But what do you foresee happening? I think it's going to depend. Um, I think there's going to be some some more guys that fall, fall through the cracks. But the other part of all this is even beyond the five-round draft this year and probably the crunch uh, with some seniors on some teams, you're going to have a, a shortened draft in 2021 as well. It's only going to be 20 rounds. And then you have a CBA. And my my way I imagine it, based upon the Kill 42 proposal, everything that we see, they're going to shrink the minor leagues. And we're probably going to see a ball get broken up into a few more leagues, a little bit more regional that's a little bit closer to some of the other affiliates. And we're going to see all of rookie ball and all of short season ball completely contracted, in my opinion. And we're going to have probably the first two years of development for a lot of these guys um, that maybe would have been at affiliates spend their time on the complexes. And I think teams are going to build up their complexes, teams that don't have complexes like the Rockies, for example, don't have an AZL team. They don't have a complex. They have to build one, you know. And one of the things that the Diamondbacks had been sort of on the precipice of and been really savvy to do, they're a really well-run organization, by the way, the Diamondbacks. You want to be front, you want to be a fan of a good organization. I cheer for the Diamondbacks because they do a lot of stuff the right way. Um, they're actually they actually built a facility outside of um, their their backfields, you know, uh, their complex where guys could actually be housed. And I think that's where the future is. is they're going to mm-hmm. more or less provide room and board and you can control you can control to a degree and monitor everything strength training 
and it can be centralized with a really well-paid, really well-known strength and conditioning coach. A guy like Eric Cressy, you know, who obviously the Yankees just recently signed. Um, he was almost like, you know, equivalent of a driveline, just, you know, not as much of a rock star, we'll say. Um, but all of a sudden that guy's working with a hundred players versus like 26, you know, and that can have far reaching um, sort of benefits to development. Now there's the other side of it with the communities and all the other things of teams getting cut, but I think that's where we're going. And I think what's going to happen is there's going to be less slots. There's going to be less spots for these guys to be housed, everything else playing these games. There's just going to be less minor league players. All those guys that get cut off at the bottom of rosters are going to get pushed to the independent leagues. There's a lot of arms there now. You know, they don't find hitters all that often in the independent leagues, but they do find a lot of relievers. You know, um, there's probably like, I would say 15 to 16 relievers that, that I, I, I'd have to look back off the top of my head, but, you know, guys that pitched an indie ball over the last like, three to four years that, you know, are major league guys. Rich Hill's one of them. Rich Hill's a guy that was that's true. You know, pitching for the Long Island Ducks. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know? When you think about and, it, it's real crazy. Yeah. Scott Casimir. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that come back that way, but there's a lot of these like relief arms that were like, you know, 13th round picks that you don't really know that had like 395, but couldn't control it. And then finally figure something out in his mechanics when he's, 27 years old and it clicks and he's got five viable years you know true that's where the opportunity is going to come in any ball the other part of it is unless something changes on the pay scale side of minor league baseball a lot of any ball guys are getting paid as much as minor leaguers some of them like a hundred dollars or more a month which which is not much in the big scheme of things but when you make four hundred dollars a month (laughs) yeah making 600 is a big deal you know big time um and and I I wonder if that's it, as we contract some of these teams from certain areas where there won't be any other baseball at all, you know, outside of colleges and, and maybe high schools, this will be the only sort of representation of professional baseball that they will have in large swaths of the country. You know, like we're not we're not just talking, you know, in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of places that teams are going to be eliminated from and it's going to be three hours to the next closest professional team. You know, but they may have two or three indie ball teams around them, right? And I, I think that that's what's going to make it so interesting. And there's going to be, like anything, when there's this many competing leagues, there's going to be certain organizations that are the crown jewel that can pay a little bit more, that are always going to have top talent, and other teams that struggle a little bit. But that's just the nature of way, uh, the way things go, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be top to bottom, like every team is going to have guys, but there's just going to be more guys that slip through the cracks. If you're cutting 20 rounds out of the draft, and let's say five or six of those rounds were prep guys that didn't sign, and I think that might even be a little bit high, that's a lot of players, man. Big time. <laughs> Big time. Like, you know. um, So when, when we're talking about this, A, do you think that means, you know, for cutting all these rookie ball teams and single-A clubs, like I go to the San Jose Giants all the time. It's a short drive. I love watching. I love sitting there, cheap ticket, good yeah. baseball. I have a blast. Um, I, I prefer that instead of driving to San Francisco half the time. Um, but when we're doing that, and you said they might move into complexes, that makes a lot of sense. Would you foresee maybe some more independent leagues forming? See, I wonder. <laughs> I've always kind of had this pipe dream over the last couple of months where somebody like Mark Cuban 
can't get into baseball, right? Traded by the Cubs. He decides to buy a bunch of these independent leagues. That'd be awesome. Unify them, right? And mm-hmm. pumps the money into the product. Um, and just somebody that knows about good promotion in these areas. Here's the thing. There are a lot of successful college summer league teams that play in like fifth rate college summer league team, like leagues. All right. That draw more than most minor league clubs. Why is that? Because they promote it correctly. Yep. They make it a family experience. The games start a little bit earlier. They do goofy stuff, you know, that's okay. Cause the game's still going to be there. You know, there's still going to be guys that are pumping 94 miles per hour and guys that are going to be trying to hit it. You know, yep. um, I don't care so much if the first base coach for an inning is a teacher, you know, and that's what, whatever it is, <laughs> or they wear goofy uniforms that look like bananas in a tuxedo or something like yeah. that. If that's the kind of stuff that brings a single a baseball as it is. Game, yeah. And that saves baseball do it, you know, yep. Um, but it's about how you promote it. And I think it's also part of how you connect with your community. And there's a lot of organizations that if you study this stuff um, that do well, you know, there's a team in Georgia, of course, this, <laughs> the name escapes me right off the top of my head, but they're like a summer wooden bat league. And it, it's probably not even one of the top 10 leagues, I think in like the country. And they draw like 4,000 fans a night, you know, <laughs> And there's concession awesome. money and everything else. Um, so I think if somebody's smart, that could happen. The other rumor is that the MLB would start it and they would call it the Dream League and essentially oh, would take over some of these other ballparks. But who knows? You know, I, who knows? You know, yep. it, it's funny because they don't inv- like if you look at the amount of money it would take to pay minor leaguers, like, you know, what a kid out of college would make, right? Like $30,000 a year, right? An entry level sort of uh, amount of money that most small businesses (laughs) piss away one out of three times at least. And I'm probably being generous with new employees, right? These major league teams could do this in a second. They spend $5 million to buy out, you know, Eduardo Nunez. Like (laughs) they 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 wouldn't wouldn't even notice that 30 grand. Yeah. But it's not even that much, you know, like, like it's like $6 million. Like, you could potentially just, and and these are your assets. That's the, that's the weirdest thing about all this with, with, with my, with major league teams is like other sports invest in their athletes. You know, you look at soccer teams overseas that bring these kids over at a very young age and put them into the academies. They all get room board, you know, they're on like top level equipment, the stuff that they're working with. You know, and, and the minor leaguer, they show up to the ballpark. They got to kick up. They got to kick in, uh, you know, clubhouse fees. And then and then they're trying to feed themselves eating Subway and crap like that. Yeah. And peanut butter and, and jelly. You know, that's what they're living on. These guys should be eating like, you know, the, the best nutrition you can find. That's I don't crazy. know why you wouldn't. You know, it, so it's fine. absolutely crazy. If, if you have to cut teams in order to do that. Okay. I understand that because that's that's a, that's a. Uh, that's a market inefficiency. Quite frankly, just 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 from a business perspective, if you want to turn out the best players and all of these guys can return, give you return your investment, whether it's as players for your team or assets that you can then trade to acquire players that your team needs at other positions you don't have depth in, it just seems, it, it's like bonkers to me that you wouldn't invest more in this. Technology, everything else. Because you could make better ball players that are controllable 
in terms of salary on the on the front end. And if you do a good enough job, you could constantly backfill and churn guys. It's essentially what the Patriots have done other than Tom Brady. Like, yeah, you know. it makes sense. It makes sense to get your cheap assets and keep developing them and churning them like you're saying. Yeah. It's kind of like it's like the churn and burn philosophy on your on your baseball team with your fab. Like, you use them, get them, stream them, go. Like it's very simple. It, it is it is crazy how they can't afford guys. Like I don't want to get into a discussion on the Oakland A's because that's just embarrassing and it got yeah. taken care of. I think, but someone did the math. If they just would pay their players out through August, it would have been like another billion dollars, and they weren't going to do it. It's like you guys are garbage. But um, it's it's something that simple, like you like you said, you know, the Nats weren't going to pay it, and all the players do little, and the guys said, okay, we'll take care of it. Now the Nats are paying for it. It's just, and the Nats said it also. I was like, you're you're here. We were once minor leaguers. We are the future. Like, why are you not taking care of them? You guys are idiots. It's uh, it's very foolish. I've never been able to wrap my head around that at all. Like, you go to tons of games. I, like I said, I go to San Jose, and the locker rooms you can access them from the main concourse and you see them after batting practice, they're just kind of sitting outside the locker room, like nibbling on a hot dog and, and like a Coke. And I'm like, what are you guys doing right now? Like, this is, this is like, you look like one of us, like you just need a beer and you'd be fitting in, a, in the stands right now. This is crazy. But um, yeah, it, it's a different world. That whole situation. So hopefully that gets better. We probably won't find out this year, but uh, in the future. And, and like you said, if they do consolidate and get rid of some teams, as long as they put that money into something good, I'm okay with it. Otherwise, I think this is a big, big disaster. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, just you know, treat your players better, treat your employees better, make yeah, them, especially if you simple. can make them better. Like that's yeah, the thing. Exactly, you can make your your product better. Why would you do that? Why? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Very, 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 very odd situation there. Baseball uh, business is strange, especially if it, the Cubs are telling me none of these teams make any money. How is that? <laughs> Yeah, and they're, they're only worth like $3 billion, $4 billion. But yeah, they make no money. Don't worry yeah. about them. Don't worry about it. They look like annuities when I look at the, the balance, like the sheets of what the value evaluations are. But, you know, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. It's my yeah. caveman brain. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think we all have caveman brains on that one then. But um, let's talk some of this MLB draft here. You know, sure. five rounds this year. It's shortened as we talked about. Um, what do you think? We kind of hinted on it on these, but what do you think the overall impact is with these teams drafting? Are they going to be more aggressive, be more like safe with college kids go like, how do you foresee from the research you've been doing that teams are going to attack it? Obviously there's probably team by team aspects to it, but overall, are they going to take more chances and kids just go to college if they don't get drafted or how do you foresee this happening? Yeah. So, you know, there was already a big shoe that dropped uh, tonight before we actually jumped on air. And that was uh, Dylan Cruz, who was one of the top, I'd say, you know, uh, Coming into the draft year, he was probably like a top five uh, prep player, probably around the top ten now. Maybe was dropping out of that. Um, he had he was looking for three million dollars to sign, and uh, he re, he reclassed. He's going to school, so um, he pulled out of the draft. So that kind of makes that's kind of interesting, you know. Um, I think that's reflective of what we're going to see. Uh, I think we only see probably about thirty prep players signed between the the five rounds. Um, we're not going to see any guys sign uh, probably in the fifth round for, you know, cheaper money than you used to. Um, I just don't think you're going to see it, quite frankly. Uh, teams don't have the money to play with. Uh, if you look at the bonus pools, you know, there's teams like the Astros legitimately have $2.2 million to spend on all players that they draft. Now, granted, oh, they lost, you know, their first round draft pick, you know, but still like, 
you know, the, the Yankees have 3.5. The Braves have 4.1. Twins, 4.5. Red Sox, 5.1. A's, 5.2. So they're going to, some of these teams are going to get creative because on, on the flip side, you have teams like the Orioles, the Tigers, the Royals, the Marlins, the Pirates, even the Padres and Rockies uh, and Mariners that all have upwards of $10 million. You know, it, the Royals have three picks within the top 40, more or less. You know, they pick in the competitive balance round A, they pick fourth overall, and then their second round pick is 41. You know, and, and, and they have $12.5 million to spend. They're a team that might be able to sign somebody for a little bit less, uh, you know, with their second round pick. And then all of a sudden they could potentially bonus bump somebody down to the third round. The way we saw like Hudson Head with the Padres last year, you know, got a, a top 20 bonus in the class, even though he was a third round pick. Um, follow the bonuses. I think that's something that's un, you know unique to uh, the MLB draft versus other drafts. And it's, it's at, for me, it makes it more interesting is the way the bonus pools work in terms of drawing better talent down picks simply because guys that are draft the teams that are drafting higher can't sign those guys for the numbers that they want and still execute their draft strategies. Um, yeah, that'll be add, interesting. It, it, it doesn't make sense on its head. And I always kind of hated it until I really kind of dived into it and it became my favorite thing. Um, and now I, I find it fascinating that, you know, they're able to sort of draw guys down with money and it's really a negotiation, which in my opinion is better for the players because you're not yeah. forced to sign anywhere. You can actually go to an organization where you feel comfortable. And I think that's a big part of baseball because unlike other sports, it's not necessarily about the player that you get when it comes into your organization, but what you feel you can turn that player into long-term because there's so much more development, even for college guys that are high end. Um, there's very few players that, you know, play less than a year in the minors or, you know, a year and a half in the minors. Most of these guys are spending two years, you know, down before, before they get the call, before they get the opportunity, sometimes a lot more. Um, so I think that's what their interesting element is. And from a player perspective, from a team perspective, I think you got to watch out for the Royals and the Marlins and the Orioles, um, simply because they have so much money, they might be able to draw some guys down that probably would have been earlier first rounders um, simply because they have more money to pay somebody at 32 than a team does at 20. That'll be interesting because we, you know, going into last draft, the Royals obviously needed a lot of work and they did some pretty good things. Like they're still a ways off, but they did make some nice moves uh, with some pitching and whatnot with some of the early picks. So if they can capitalize again this year. I'm not saying they're going to be back by any means, but they're definitely moving a lot quicker think, than most of us would have said a year or two ago. So um, that can be very interesting. And that goes for the, the, the Tigers and the, the Marlins, who has some interesting pieces in the minors, probably not the most elite pieces, but very interesting pieces to yep. keep building around. Obviously, we know the big pitchers in Detroit, so that can be something else to keep in mind. Uh, you mentioned some of these prep kids. You're thinking maybe 30 or so guys get drafted, the rest go to college. Do you think that means, you know, you already mentioned the signability of players. Do you think that maybe means we don't see a lot of high school kids drafted after like the third round or so? Yeah, I would be, I would be surprised. I think where most of the guys are going to get um, bumped down to is the second round and then maybe early third round, that second competitive balance round. Uh, yeah, I think that's where all the prep kids are going to end up going. Um, Cause you'll see teams that are drafting, 
you know, maybe a college arm because there's so many of them. Um, and those guys do want to get to pro ball and, and get some money as opposed to maybe going back a year and risk injury and being a year older in the draft next year. Um, you know, those guys might sign for a little bit less than they typically would have. So if they're able to save some money with, you know, whatever arm it might be, we'll say for argument's sake, you know, they can sign a, a you know, a Chris McMahon out of Miami and, you know, McMahon will save them a million dollars that they can then, you know, bump down to sign, you know, a really talented prep outfielder like Isaiah Green in the second round. Teams might do that. And uh, I think we'll see in the second and third, there'll be some sporadic maybe picks in the fourth or fifth, maybe, but I just don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't know um, outside of uh, maybe a guy like a Harold Cole, who's like a Twitter superstar, but you know, he's not a guy that scouts love. He's outside of the top 100 on most sites. Yeah, I think he's, he's within our top 100. We have some guys on the site that are, are big fans, um, but maybe a guy like that signs in the fourth or fifth round, you know, um, it's going to be a lot of college. It's going to be a ton of college and we'll see, we'll see a, a decent amount of Juco guys as well. Let's talk about some of these players because it's going to be, like you said, a weird draft. It's definitely not like, you know, football where we can kind of predict where everything's going to slot out in a mock draft format. It's a little different with the pay scales, obviously. But there's one thing that's very common. And, you know, I enjoy minor league ball, catch a few college games here or there, but not nearly enough to act like I know what I'm talking about in the draft. But one thing I do know, because it's hard to miss this name when you see anything draft related, is Spencer Torkelson of Arizona State. This kid is uh, pretty much the top pick according to everybody that I've seen, what is it about Torkelson that uh, just jumps off the board to people? Yeah, it's um, the combination of uh, field to hit, zone recognition, pitch recognition skills, um, the and just elite bat to ball and plus raw power, maybe double plus, you know. Um, you know, Heston Kerstad has more raw than, than Torkelson does. Torkelson's a significantly better hitter, significantly better hitter. Like I put a I put a six plus on uh, Torkelson's hit tool, you know, on the twenty eighty scale. I'd probably put a four on like you know uh, Heston Kerstad from from Arkansas, really good player. I think he's gonna be a major leaguer, and um, there's a really good chance he goes to Pittsburgh at seven. Is what I'm hearing. I've heard him rumored a nine um, uh, to Colorado, uh, but Torkelson's just sort of a different animal. He's a lot like Andrew Vaughn, uh, right-handed hitting right-handed throwing first baseman, which isn't a profile that has uh, necessarily itself to going really high in the draft. Um, I know there's been some success in that area of late, but, you know, historically right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing first baseman is kind of a no-no. Um, but that kind of tells you how good a guy like Vaughn or a guy like Torkelson is. Uh, I've seen Torkelson for consecutive summers down the Cape. I had the pleasure of, uh, Watching an absolutely star-studded game uh, beginning of 2018 uh, in the summer down Cape Cod, Wareham versus Chatham. And I got to see Torkelson versus Andrew Vaughn and compare and contrast. And uh, just in terms of, you know, body body type, um, Torkelson is um, just like a brick house. He's just all muscle, you know, built like a professional wrestler, like broad shoulders, really strong. I would say, you know, his, his build is like two triangles, like meeting with the points in the middle, you know, <laughs> like he's just, he's just built to hit for power, um, powerful, balanced, clean swing. Um, you know, he'll struggle with breaking balls from time to time, but he will mash fastballs. You cannot make a mistake on this kid. Um, 
and uh, you know he'll take his walks and he'll take he'll take what the pitcher gives him and he'll he'll go the other he'll go the other way if you know need be. Um, he's probably first base only, but he's a good defensive first baseman. He probably would have played third base in college had um, the left side of Arizona State's uh, infield not been like one of the best defensive infields in, in baseball. You know, Alika Williams and Gage Workman are, are absolute studs over there at third base and shortstop. Um, so that's why Torque doesn't play over there. And it kind of had, there's a bit of a, a position crunch uh, at ASU because they have so many talented defenders. So um, there's some people that think he could play third base. I don't think so. I think he's probably a first baseman. Maybe try him a little bit in left field. Um, but that's okay because the bat's going to play. You know, it's it's a it's a seventy hitting profile in my opinion. This is a uh, star. This is a star. This is a guy. Well, this is a guy that you're going to take in the third round of fantasy baseball drafts. You know, he's going to be one of those sort of first basemen. I'm not going to say second because he'd have to be Freddie Freeman. But yeah, you know, I think he's one of those interesting. He'll and he'll pop within a couple of years because there's nothing blocking him in Detroit. That's what I was going to ask because Andrew Vaughn, who I, I did see play for Cal in his senior year, and he was a he reminded me a lot of Josh Donaldson kind of maybe a little stouter, but a lot of similarities there. Maybe I'm wrong, but, um, yeah, it's hit- good. Right. Violent swing, big leg yep. kick. Uh, yep. but he has, uh, sort of like elite back to ball skills, um, shorter arms, you know, than, than Torkelson has. I think it's maybe the one of the big knocks is, is, uh, plate coverage in the outside part of the plate with Vaughn, but yeah, overall Vaughn was like the goods, man. Yeah, he was awesome. So you you compared those two, which which already answered one of the questions I had. Uh, you know, anything you look at prospect wise with you guys and others is Vaughn's got a people think he's going to get to the bigs pretty quickly. It's just a matter of finding him a spot in Chicago. Not necessarily will he be ready for Chicago is the kind of the consensus for the most part. Do you see like Torkelson on that same path where it's only going to be a couple years and he's going to be ready to roll in the bigs unless something crazy happens? Yeah, I think I think Torkelson could could even you know make his debut sometime in twenty twenty one. Nice, because if he's a first base only, there's there's not a whole lot. No, there's not. Yeah, not seen not worth it. We talk about it in redraft all the time. How fast that top like seven or eight that it drops. So yeah, yeah, he's a guy. He's a guy that that could move incredibly quickly. You know, incredibly quickly. Um, maybe we'll get lucky though, and like Detroit decides to take uh, Asa Lacy to add a you know another lefty interesting arm to their uh, stable of arms. And we get lucky enough to see Spencer Torkelson play all of his home games as a right-handed hitter in Camden Yards. That's oh, the dream. Oh, man. That's the but, dream. But him with Mount that, Castle. That and be fantasy oh. gold, my friend. If that happens, all bets are off. I, I, oh, my I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think Torkelson will win. Camden Yards, some road games in Toronto. That doesn't Oof. suck. Um, yeah, you get, you're getting me excited already thinking about this possibility here. But uh, probably not going to happen. You're right. Do you think just spitballing here? Because we know how, like with Andrew Vaughn, they're talking about trying to make him third base. You said Torkelson could have played third base. I know CJ Cron can only play for a team one year at a time and has to go somewhere else. I know that's just the, the rules. It seems like. Do you see any world where they go? Okay, we can keep Cron for cheap. Let's just move Torkelson to third base. We don't really have a guy right now. Uh, they have Candelario, no, I guess. But yeah, uh, I think uh, I think Isaac Paredes is. Okay. Yes, that's true. Other than other than Riley Green, he is hands down the best position prospect in that organization, and he arguably might have one of the best hit tools in the minors. Um, he's had the the, the unfortunate um, circumstances of hitting in pitchers' leagues. Florida State League is the opposite of the Cal League, where it significantly depresses 
uh, offensive output and hitting, you know, for power in Lakeland is not easy. He hit pretty well for power there. Uh, he played for Erie last year. Um, the, the, the Eastern league was incredibly pitcher he- heavy after being incredibly hitter heavy in 2018 with Bichette and, you know, Vlad and all those guys, there were a ton of arms last year in the Eastern league and he hit really well. Um, you know, one of the better hitters turned 21, I think uh, a couple of months back. Um, and he's one of these guys that, you know, like he's got a bad body, but, uh, he plays shortstop, which he probably shouldn't. He's a good third baseman. He's a guy that can easily play third and there's no issue with there at at all. Um, you know, you look at the numbers across the board, uh, you know, he hit 12 homers uh, in 84 games in the Florida State League, which, like I said, isn't easy. Um, you know, followed that up with, you know, a 39-game stint last uh, in 2018 uh, where he slashed 321, 406, 458 in his first touch of double-A as a 19-year-old, okay? Then, as a 20-year-old, he plays a full season in double-A, which is arguably arguably the highest talent level of any level in the minors, in my opinion, because you just get a lot of triple a guys, their retreads um, across 127 games. He hits 282, 368, 416. I understand with the power still at 13 homers. And if you see some of the, you see some of the bombs that this guy hits uh, when he does get a hold of one, it's pretty obvious that there's power there to play. So I'm telling you that he could play a defensive position despite the body. He's got a, he's got a plus arm at third base. He's played a ton of shortstop because his first step is actually pretty good for a heavier guy. And I think his swinging strike rate, uh, I can check it right now. It's sub 5% and he's still got, he's still got some thunder in the stick, you know, um, for me, that guy is a third baseman, you know, um, you move Cron, to, to DH and uh, you got, you got torque as your first baseman. I so, like it. Uh, yeah. You mentioned, nice you mentioned there. Yeah. I'll have to keep that in mind. That's a good one right there. Um, you mentioned Asa Lacey, a lefty out of A&M um, big dude, six four two fifteen. That's a pretty, pretty powerful lefty coming off the mound there. What's your kind of comps when you guys are looking at him and uh, since he's going to go high off the board, you know, putting him in Camden Yards maybe not be the best thing we want to see, but what's your kind of comps with him? Yeah. Um, oof. Direct comp on Asa Lacey. Um, or how do you see him being a pro, basically, if that's easier? He, he's almost like he's almost like Thor if he was a lefty. He's like oh, wow. Big, strong. His, his mechanics are, you know, aren't maybe aren't as smooth as, as Thor's are, but he stays on time probably better than Thor does. Uh, especially with, you know, with his, with, you know, his actual arm stroke is probably cleaner maybe than Thor's is. Um, but he's a big, like strong guy. Like he's a muscular guy, you know, like you see, you see his biceps when he's throwing, you know, he's not one of these sort of <laughs> strength guys or like sleek athletic types or, you know, kind of heavy Texas fireballers built like Roger Clemens with a barrel chest. No, he's like a, he's like an athlete. Um, nasty fastball, nasty slider, uh, gets a ton of ground ball contact. I don't know, you know, direct comp. It's tough just simply because there's not a lot of guys like Lacey, you know, um, just a matter of, you know, whether it actually 
comes to fruition or not. And he, he turns into that guy, but um, just trying to think, you know, off like the, the top of my head, um, I'm trying to think about, you know, a lefty that, that kind of is, is like that right now. And I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, if, like, doesn't sound like many. Yeah. I mean, I'm just size, trying to think of like, yeah. yeah, major league guys that, you know, that have that build and sort of like, you know, throw 97 uh, from the left side with, you know, a wipeout slider and kind of like a bulldog mentality. I like it. You know? I like it. Yeah, I don't think we have one of those guys, really. <laughs> we need we need one of those guys, so that's good. Uh, and I think the Orioles need one of those guys, so that could be exciting, too. Um, I, I'm not going to go through the whole list here because there's a ton of stuff that I want them to go read up on, but who are some of the guys that you kind of have circled that are you're pretty high on that maybe some other guys aren't? Yeah, sure. So um, I really like all the prep outfielders, and I think they're a major target in Dynasty Leagues for me. Um, that's Veen, uh, Hassel, Hendrick, uh, PCA. Um, Isaiah Green is another one that's a really talented player. I know James Anderson is high on him as well. Um, Tyler Soderstrom for me is uh, rumored to be target of your San Francisco Giants at 13. Um nice get a lot of smoke there, but there's some misinformation there. The Giants are like the, like the best misinformation team from everything I'm hearing. You're telling me. Yeah. They love to put out bad information and get, get throw out some smoke signals, but Tyler Sostrom to me, he's a catcher, right? Catcher quotation marks. He's going to get moved off to third base and he's totally athletic enough to make it work. It's one of the better prep bats in the class Um, that if, if he was an outfielder, I would have him ranked uh, right up there with, with Austin uh, Hendrick in terms of just positionally. Um, he's right there as my fifth, um, or, or excuse me, my uh, he's, he's right there as my fourth uh, prep player in dynasty leagues. Um, and I have him six, seven spots down. So seventh uh, on all pro uh, prep players on my board total just because I'm going to bump up a couple of arms and uh, a shortstop like a guy like Ed Howard or something like that too just because there's no shortstops in this draft at all it's the one one like lacking position is there are not a lot of shortstops at all in this draft very weak shortstop class interesting well I guess that's good because we have about a thousand of them in the pros right now so that, that's one thing to think about but uh, eventually they'll have to take over but um, yeah that's good that the the, the Prep guys is going to be very interesting, especially with this whole development deal and uh, only five rounds. I'm curious to see where that all goes. But uh, Torkelson, looking forward to that and, and some of these other names coming through. I got to go look at this Lacey video now if you're telling me how, how he looks like a lefty Thor kind of. I'm excited to um, to check yeah, all that out. A well, big, yeah. strong guy with like that fastball slider mix. You know what I mean? His changeup's a good pitch too. But I mean, he this guy had 40-plus um zone whiff rates 40 percent plus zone whiff rates on his slider and his fastball this season that's crazy he sounds like he has like randy johnson stuff with a bigger frame that's kind of, that's kind of what he's it sounds tall. like yeah he's not as tall but he's like yeah but i mean he's like a he's like michael kopech right like like gotcha. you know like you see kopech on the mound he's strong he might be he might have broader shoulders than kopech though <laughs> He sounds like a big dude. I got to go check all this out. Yeah, he's, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. He's like a bodybuilder. It's kind of it's kind of crazy to see that. 
Yeah, you don't see that on the mound every day. That's for darn sure. Yeah. That's, that's like John Rocker style. On, on, on yeah, that's, exactly. That's cool. You know what? It's it's that kind of a build. Exactly. That's crazy. Um, all right, let's talk some more like dynasty prospect stuff maybe for this season because obviously we can draft these guys when we do dynasty redrafts and whatnot and Torkelson and all them will go towards the top. But, um, you know, dynasties right now, a lot of people have already done their drafts for the dynasties, even the like the, the first-year player drafts and all that kind of stuff. But we don't know what's going on. So how are you handling the dynasty situation? Are you kind of just putting everything on hold? Well, obviously, we're kind of putting things on hold for now. But how are you going to run your season if there's dynasty? And then say there's no season, how do you go about that? Because I've heard a lot of different scenarios there. Yeah, I think the really intriguing conversation there, if the season is banged, um, which I don't think it's going to happen. I think I'm with you, too. I've been 100% on. We're having a season the whole time. I'm with you there. Yeah, and I've heard some whisperings and and uh, you know in the shadows, we'll say about a season, probably for about three weeks. And I'll say this: the timelines that I was given continue to be met. And there are several people that probably listen to this podcast that can confirm that I gave them the same timelines. Uh, and <laughs> I think we're probably going to see a resolution within the week. This is this is a I'm lot of this, a lot of this is just you know politics public it's, politics, and it still gets them to their mid-june start tra- it still gets some training by mid-june that's that yep. simple i think three weeks spring training in home ballpark and yep. uh maybe you're sometime around july 4th start date uh for the regular season is what it'd be beautiful part. we'll see what ha- i'll take any baseball at this point people complain yeah. about the 50 game season i'm like dude i would take 50 games right now i would take like I would take the World Baseball Classic. You want oh, to do that? Heartbeat. You know, heartbeat. You know, heartbeat. That's what KBO guys. <laughs> yeah, I got. If, if the KBO was not in the middle of the night for me on the West Coast, I would be glued to it every day. So I just the record it, it and I watch it back because I really don't care who wins. You know, I'm, but there's I'm, only, I'm, there's I'm only so many like eighty-seven you. mile per hour left-handed, <laughs> you know, uh, fastball guys with with one like you know soft 73 mile per hour curveball that i can watch um but yeah you know it's not bad though it's been filling the void but definitely yeah i mean it's hard with with dynasty this year the big question is that is excuse me first year player drafts so how do you figure out what the standings are i think you gotta go i think you gotta go to an auction i think you gotta give everyone money and that's a great idea all the play players in maybe you adjust the budgets a little bit um and you just go to auction with all the guys that are available and uh you know you let the market decide because it's the only fair thing to do you can't ding teams that were good last year um especially considering they probably benefit the less from the shutdown because they're one less year they're talented to have older (laughs) players in their rosters exactly and those guys are going to be one year older and let's say they traded for some veteran pitchers to get them over the, the hump at the end of the season, right? That's a very common tactic. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they got all these guys that were 33, 34, now 34, 35, right? And yeah. maybe even older. And yep. they may have injuries, right? That Scherzer, that Scherzer trade looks real bad right now. You know, I got the chance. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't matter, right? It, it doesn't. Yep. It doesn't, you know. Um, but – you can't ding those guys for being good the year before. And now say you can't get access to any, because maybe your team wouldn't have been that good. Maybe something would have gone wrong. You, you know, if you're in a, a 15 team league, maybe you finished seventh, yep. maybe you finished eighth, you know, you just, a couple things go wrong. You have some bad injuries, the wrong guy slump. It happens, especially in dynasty where you can't like 
churn and burn. It just, it, it happens, especially if you have to hold the roster from year to year and so many different players. I think you got to go to, got to go to auction. I, you know, I've heard people with different things. It's like, just keep it simple, make it auction. Like I said, if you have to make some basic adjustments, maybe with dollars, fine. But I think that makes it interesting for everybody too. You know, uh, especially I, when I like that auction. We've all lost the season. We've all lost the season of playing yep. our game, you know, against our buddies. So, um, you know, have fun. <laughs> That's the thing no, I've you, learned more than anything else. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun, and you made a lot of good points. Like people, people complain about fifty games. It's okay. I could see if you didn't want to play in big money leagues. I get it. But just to yeah. have baseball, I'm all there. Let's go. Like, I'm going to sit and watch baseball. I'd say that's what they invented DFS for. Don't worry about season long this year. Just go. But um, I think I think the auction strategy for that, that's the first time I've heard that. I think it's a great idea because I know in a couple of dynasties I'm in, it's kind of a discussion because you, you got the rebuilding teams who may benefit from it. But like you said, the teams that finish near the top, most of them aren't young bucks anymore. So they're going to really hurt from that. Like, maybe they would have started trading guys to get draft picks. There's so many scenarios that didn't take place to just ding them another year could really set things back. So that's a, a very interesting way to go about it. I like that quite a bit. Um, when we're talking prospects uh, with a shortened season this year, there's been more and more discussion about, you know, Spencer Howard, who was already rumored to be in the rotation. We got Nate Pearson. Those are two big names outside of the Lizardos and those normal ones. Everyone pucks, everyone knows about them. When we're talking Spencer Howard and Nate Pearson, how do you look at those two guys going into the 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see how they're used. Um, you know, they're both guys that have um, somewhat checkered injury histories and have had to have limited innings. Um, Pearson really built up last year, and they did take the reins off in the second half, uh, and they let him just, you know, go full starts. I saw a lot of him last year in New Hampshire. Um, he's got unbelievable stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of him controlling it. He's a big guy, you know, 6'6", big boy, and – uh it's a matter of just controlling his limbs and everything else, but he throws an easy 97 to a hundred consistently uh, up in the zone. You know, he can work low in the zone and get big sink if he needs to. Um, you know, he's got a slider that's like <laughs> 92 uh, curveball changeup as well. He's got a deep repertoire of pitches. He's, he's, a, he's a big nasty arm with big velocity that has some pitchability to him but he needs a little bit more refinement just in terms of the command. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Blue Jays will um, play the service time game with him or not. What they can even do really doesn't matter this season. Um, I don't think, he, I, I don't think there's any reason to waste his bullets or not. You know, I think let him pitch, even if they put him into, you know, it's like a multi inning reliever role. I think we're going to see more of that personally. I think we're going to see more starters that go three innings. And another starter that goes three innings. They're going to piggyback guys like the Astros do in the lower minors, you know, and have like these chain starters um, just because they can stretch out. They can stretch out their, you know, their, their, their pen and, and a rotation a lot, you know, a lot more by doing that. And I think that's one of the things that everyone is talking about starters right now mm-hmm. in a shortened season is, is kind of missing that you may have to really target like ace level pitchers. Exactly. I don't you know Because everybody else might be really susceptible uh, to some games and makes guys like the teams, like, you know, guys that are on the raise less attractive. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly like, like Shohei Otani, you're Shohei Otani, right? What are you going to do? They're not going to pitch back. him three innings. I'm going to pitch him three innings twice a week, yeah. you know? And I'm going to have him hit the other games. 
he has his days off in between. But I I don't see any reason why I would want to, you, you know, potentially risk the injury with that guy and screw it. I can get him twice a week for, you know, six total innings and I can I can pair him with other guys and play matchups. I think the interesting stuff of this season, you know, with with that plus the three better minimum, it mm-hmm. makes some of these starters more attractive because they tend to be less uh, split heavy than guys that are relief only prospects, which is why they're still starters. Let me, uh, let me take a detour here real quick. Cause I think this is a great sure. conversation piece is that's one thing I, we saw some guys tweeting out about it. Like you said, it's kind of a topic right now on Twitter. And I mentioned it cause I've, I've, I've asked a lot of guests and I know you probably have on your stuff that with a shortened season, like how are you going to approach things differently? Cause there's a million different philosophies now. And I'm with you. I think, the elite pitchers are going to get their innings. I think even with the DH, you know, like a DeGrom, he might not get pinch hit for and get another inning out there. We'll see how that goes. That just depends. But you got the back end. Like I remember one time talking to guys on the show, I remember seeing uh, with the, uh, uh, not Modesto, uh, Stockton, the A's team, when Puck and Lazardo were there, they piggybacked every time. One of them started, the other one came in, the next time the other one started, then the other one yep. came in. They did that the whole time until they got promoted. I could see something like that happening with a lot of teams right now. I'm with you 100 percent there. I, the Astros are going to do it. The Astros are 100 percent going to do it. Astros, Rays, yeah, the Dodgers might do it. The Dodgers could do that with yeah, Urias and arms, May though. and all them. <laughs> yeah, they have so many arms. But with these expanded rosters, it's going to be interesting. And we agree on the starting thing. I'm with you there. We, we, it sounds like we're pretty much in line that you want to get some big time pitchers because in a short season, to me, innings are huge. Like you need those innings. Uh, for the counting stats. Side note, though, does this incline you more to take maybe guys like Seth Lugos, these these relievers that could go one to two innings that are not necessarily closers but could rack up late wins, maybe get a save here or there? Does that make you change your philosophy on the back end, possibly? Depends what the format is, you know, honestly. Um, if I'm playing in uh, a, a head-to-head points league, I'm probably going after closers. I'm probably going to stock up on a ton of them, you know, yep. and I'm going to look too. for guys that are, you know, starting pitcher, relief pitcher eligible, which I would have done anyway. But I think some of those guys, maybe like a Lugo, um, yep. you know, you can maximize a little bit more out of uh, to get some consistency there. Stars are going to be weird, especially in quality start leagues. Cause I don't, I think we're going to see an astronomically low quality start number, you know, just the way things look like they may play out. Um, that, yeah, oh man. I mean, it's, it's so hard because there's so many sort of like layers once you start to dig into, you know, uh, how this is going to work and what the impact is going to be across the board. How many more bad arms hitters are going to see, right? hundred percent. Like, there's going to be a ton of offensive production, you know, even if they do de-juice the balls, which I doubt they do. No, they're going to want to have like a. They're going to put more juice in them. They're going yeah, to be Dan, like, Dan, Dan Heron said it. Dan Heron said it best. He says they pissed off enough people. They need to get eyes back on the TV. You think that ball's going to be de-juiced? You're crazy. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it, that's happening for sure. Especially but, if they uh, have like the whole sports world and there's literally nothing else to watch. <laughs> yep. Yes, they want to see home runs. We want to see them now. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be interesting pitching wise. I think on a shortened season, it makes saves and and stolen bases. Those counting stats you know, more important. It's going to be real fun to see how it plays out. It's going to be a wild, wild mess. But uh, you mentioned Nate Pearson. We talked about Nate Pearson. Spencer Howard, Phillies, 
Um, he, there was rumors he was going to be in the rotation before this all happened. We got shut down. Now it looks like he's pretty much in there. I've seen some kind of wavering thoughts on him, but in the end, he should be in the rotation. What's your takes on him? Yeah, I think he's going to have um, some really – he's going to be a five-inning pitcher. I think he's going to be a five-inning pitcher this year. Um, and that's probably being a little bit optimistic. Um, they're going to limit his innings, you know. Uh, and he's been somewhat injured. And I would suspect if the Phillies are in contention late in the season and he is pitching well, then they'll probably take the reins off the last month or so uh, and let him go into playoffs like that. But I feel like he's going to get some starts skipped. You know, um, this is a guy that's had some elbow problems, you know, as nasty as he is. Uh, and he doesn't have a, a, a long, you know, amateur uh, sort of track record either. Um, he's a guy that that I believe popped in the Cape Cod League um, four summers ago and kind of figured some stuff out and it sort of catapulted him to, to the next level just in terms of, um, you know, what he was as a, as a college player and then, you know, has really been a better pro prospect than I think, you know, anyone had really even uh, suspected. You know, he was a Cal Poly kid and – you know the numbers were the numbers were good um, his freshman year, uh, but he really popped his sophomore year. And uh, you know the, the sub two ERA. You know you're looking at a guy with you know uh, you know ten plus K per nine. Um, you know sub 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 you know two uh, uh, walk per nine, uh, and just dominating good hitters in the Big West. You know and there's a lot. A lot of good players in the Big West. Oh yeah, I'm a UC mid, Davis mid, grad. I've, I've seen a lot of them out here. So you got Irvine and Santa Barbara yeah. and Fullerton and all these schools. There's a lot of good schools out here. So um, yeah, it's no and joke. I, and he's a guy that, like, you know, he, he did 112 innings at, at Lakewood in, in 2018. Um, you know, and he did about, uh, we'll say, about 130 innings. I think uh, total last season. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe they take the reins off. Maybe I'm I'm completely crazy, but I just think that they're going to handle them with with kids' gloves a little bit more. You know, uh, these guys are going to be way more susceptible to injury, having had to ramp up and then ramp back down and then ramp back up again, probably in a somewhat short window. Um, and he's going to have to take his lumps uh, as a rookie pitcher as well. You know, not a great ballpark to pitch in. It's the yeah, best home. Yeah, homer friendly ballpark in the majors last year was in philadelphia so there's a lot of elements there um depending upon the price he's an interesting upside play though because i think there's so much um chaos in like the 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 guys that would have been like your third to like sixth starter on a team depending upon what the format is you know roto i may not carry six starters but you know what i mean um there's so much chaos in those ranks that all of a sudden a guy like Spencer Howard that has more upside, I'll probably play it because he's gonna he's gonna miss more bats, you know. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll lean in a lot harder, I think, on K per nine now than I ever did. I'm 100 percent with you. Strikeouts are gonna be king for me if I'm if I'm taking these high volatile volatile guys that on a short season a couple bad outings can just destroy your ratios. You better bring some strikeouts and uh, yeah. with with, with Howard. Yes, especially Kyle Henders. Yeah, unless you have some of these guys that can help you out in the ratio world, that's for sure. Um, and it's going to be interesting with Howard if they do the divisional plans, playing a third of his games versus the AL East. That's not going to be fun. So um, that's another yeah. thing to think about, let alone pitching in Philly. 
Uh, the third pitcher I wanted to ask you about here, and he was kind of borderline sneakily making San Diego's team. If not, he would be up at some point in time in the season. That's Mackenzie Gore. Do you foresee him having a, an impact in a shortened season, or is he kind of a maybe three-inning guy like a Nate Pearson? I think I think Gore is the best pitching prospect in baseball. I think Gore is one of the best pitching prospects I've ever covered. Um, High praise. And, man, like, it's all up to the Padres. And we've seen what they've done before. Um, there's no reason that kid shouldn't pitch this year. There's no reason they should just have him sit. Go with a six-man rotation, something along those lines. You fit him in. You get him his starts. By the end of the season, he's going to be maybe a race. You know, he's that good. He's that good. There's velocity on the fastball. He gets weak contact. He's got a deep repertoire of pitches. He can manipulate all of his pitches to get different sort of break on them, depending upon the handedness of the batter, which is uh, a sign of elite pitch ability. He's got a ton of deception, massive leg kick, and he's fun as hell. One of the best, one of the most athletic throwers you could watch is Mackenzie Gore. Great. I'm, look, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Um, I think, I think they, they got to call him on. Potteries are, Potteries yes. are totally in contention in a short And they're season. aggressive. We saw it last year with Tatis. Yeah. Like, they will do it. And their guys are coming on. They've made some good moves. They added Trent Grisham. They added Tommy Pham. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like jury's out on, I guess, on what jerk, the Jerks and Profar ad is, but <laughs> yeah, it was cheap. Yeah, some people like it, and you can play the position, so there you go. But they're continuing to improve as a program and an organization, and an expanded roster really benefits the Padres at the moment because they have a lot of players in that 40-man bubble and around it that are really talented that they can just cycle right through. They could deal with depth and injuries and potentially somebody getting sick, because that's also one of the factors in all this, right? That somebody yep. could potentially be out for two weeks. Or Mike Trout goes and sees uh, his wife um, for the birth of his first child, and he's out for two weeks because yep. he's got a quarantine, right? Yep. Make some of those teams like the Padres way more interesting from a betting perspective, in my opinion. But there you go. Yep. No, that's a great call. Um, do you foresee uh, – we, we know you like the talent of some of these young pitchers – and I know it's going to definitely depend on the league and your roster construction, but just say Roto Roto League. Do you foresee like TGFBI? Do you foresee yourself taking any young starters in a season like this? Um, yeah, I think if the price was right on Gore, I'd probably do it. Um, okay. and there's some there's some more back end arms that I think could factor into things that I think could be uh, kind of interesting plays on the cheap. You know, maybe like a like a Tanner Hawk or a, or a Brian Mata with the Red Sox, um, who are relatively close that might get an opportunity now. You know, okay. those are guys that that I'd, I'd probably take a shot on. Lewis Thorpe with the Twins, uh, another young arm that all the projection systems uh, that deal with minor league data, um, Sparkman in particular by by Connor Kirkon over at Six Man Rotation, I think is one of the best data guys that's out there. Yeah. Um, and Lewis Thorpe is like a top. 10 pitching prospect, 15 pitching prospect for him, maybe even higher. It might even be like five. It's nuts. He's really good. Australian, um, not a ton of hype, but I think he's an arm that the Twins could potentially utilize, you know? And he might be a guy that gets some starts, 40-man guy, etc. cetera. Um, I think uh, some of those arms are going to be fun to target. Dig a little bit deeper because 
if anything, the years it's different. I mean, it, it almost feels like some of our redraft leagues, we should have like seven more bench spots. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because we are, I've, I, I, I've said, yeah, that's that part right there. I've started telling guys because I enjoy the weekly moves or at least, you know, the, you can switch your offensive players from Monday through Thursday, Friday through Saturday, Sunday. But the way the system is going to go this year is expanded rosters. And, you know, some guys might only, literally only play against lefties and so on and so forth. It's going to need to be a daily move league almost. It's going to be pretty wild to play a weekly format and realize you're going to have a lot of guys that you can't, you can't flip your whole roster every week to get the best case scenario. It's crazy. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be wild. If there's going to be so much, there's going to be so much chaos just in yeah. terms of uh, redraft leagues. Simply be, especially if we re, we already drafted them. You mm-hmm. know, you drafted all your leagues under the assumption of something else. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be fun to see all the banter about it. And who who was the best at drafting the fictitious league that didn't happen that is happening now? So that'll be a very very fun there on the on the hitter side of things. There's you know Alec Baum expanded roster. He, he's going to likely get a shot. You have Nick Madrigal, who people were drafting before everything happened. There's some other young bats out there. Are there any that you might be looking at uh, going into this shortened season? Oh, Isaac Paredes. Um, yep. I know I kind of mentioned him before. Is uh, definitely a bat that I'm going to be targeting um, sort of late. Brandon Rogers and even Garrett Hampson could suck me back in. But I love the Brandon Rogers call, by the way. Man. I love um, that. You know, I think he's one of these guys that could get some sneaky opportunity now. And I, you always want to buy in on the rock, these Rockies guys after they get, like, obviously he was hurt, but after they get their first call up, they sort of, you know, that's when the guys sort of work their way into opportunities. There might be some injuries, and, and Rodgers can hit. You know, he always he's always been able to. It's just a matter of maturity and approach with him. And uh, he's another year older. Um, <laughs> and he's been through all of this like all of us have. So uh, maybe he's uh, grown a little bit, but uh, just a matter of the batting eye with him and just not not having to put his bat on everything. He's one of those guys almost like Cal Franco and, it, you know, it killed him. But one of these guys that like he could he, he can just put his bat on anything he wants to, but it leads to a lot of bad contact sometimes um, or stuff that he should have waited on you know, and, and waited to get his pitch in the inside part of the plate where he can just demolish stuff. But uh, in terms of raw power and bat speed, there's few guys that I've watched that were uh, strong as Brennan Rodgers in that regard. So I think he's, uh, I think he's an interesting play. Um, and I will give you another one who I absolutely love. And uh, I would say that this is the one I would tell everyone to put on their watch list and potentially draft late. Lewin Diaz uh, from Miami. Yes, Miami. Yep. Luan Diaz can hit. Uh, he's got power. He can probably play left field if he wants to. But he's really first base only. Um, he's got power. He's got plate approach. He's got contact ability. Good discipline. And, uh, you know, I don't care about Jesus Aguilar and Garrett Cooper. Give me Luan Diaz. And uh, I've heard from sources that were close to the organization that Diaz will be the everyday guy sooner rather than later. You know, they're going to commit to this rebuild. So, uh, Diaz might be an interesting guy uh, with these expanded rosters and D and a DH, right? That it, pushes, yep. it opens up opportunities for first base only type guys. So uh, he's one that I would definitely take a shot on. I like that. I like the Brendan Rogers call. I kind of wrote about him as a, a benefactor of the DH. Lou and Diaz, another big name to uh, to keep in mind. Last question I have for you tonight. Um, we talked 
MLB draft. We talked some dynasty stuff, some players for this year. If if people are looking ahead to 2021, 2022, say we start playing, you can make trades, go go acquire some guys. Who are some names that, you know, you might be targeting that most people – they're not near the top of rankings, but you could see them possibly making a jump. Obviously, we don't probably have minor league baseball this year, so that's going to really hurt the development factor of things. But who are some guys that you could see maybe moving up here in the in the next year or so that aren't really on the radar yet? Huh. You're just saying in terms of, uh, you know, actual prospect rankings, probably somebody like, you know, Aaron Brocco is somebody I think that could move up significantly uh, from the Indians. Um, he's somebody that's it's, it's going to be fantasy rankings. That's really going to push his rank, but he's a dude that can really hit and uh, you know, haven't, haven't, you know, seen a little bit of him, watched some video, talk to folks that are you know around him in the Indians organization. Uh, he could potentially be a really special bat. Um, and I think there's going to be some guys from this draft class, guys like Greg Jones from Tampa Bay that, you know, if he's able to add a little bit more loft, uh, to his lefty swing, cause he's a switch hitter. I think we're going to see more power out of him. I think he's a guy that potentially could, you know, move up quite a bit. Um, and there's a ton of arms like Jonathan Stiver from, um, uh, the White Sox, you know, as a guy that was, was sort of beginning to come into his own, um, and there's a lot of draft players that we didn't see a ton of. Peyton Burdick might be a guy that moves up a ton. A lot of these high school guys that now have had a full year of being part of a major league organization with their training regiments, et cetera, which some of these first rounders, they obviously, they, these the high-end guys, they sign for money. So they actually can you know hire personal trainers and eat good food. But uh, <laughs> some of those guys maxing out, you know? Um, and how they, you know, come back. Guys coming back from injury, like a Hunter Green, somebody like that, that might be able to move up. Uh, those are sort of the things I would look for. Those sort of storylines. Um, but there, there's a, a there's a ton of, of talent right now um, across all the organizations, and it's only going to get crunched a little bit more. Um, but scouting teams have done a better job of scouting and signing the right, right guys over the last five to six years, you know, and the hit rate on prospects has been a lot higher. Um, so there's even guys that, you know, beyond the top 100, I think you're almost at the point you got to do a top 200 because there's, you know, there's so many potential players that uh, baseball fans are interested in that they, they know 200 names in the minor leagues or maybe want to at least, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, those are just a couple of names that sort of come to mind for me uh, that uh, I would potentially be targeting because I think they're guys that are going to pop. Um, and there's going to be even more guys that come out of this draft too. You know, Hudson Head, there's another one from San Diego. I think it's a guy that could pop. I love it. I love it. And uh, I always love talking to you about prospects and much, much more. Obviously, he's not just a prospect guy, but uh, he is prospect Jesus for a reason. So uh, it's always fun. I know you're in uh, – are you in town again this year? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in town again this year in the the head to head points league, right. uh, and I uh, I made my one boo boo beginning of the season last season where I screwed up some stuff with the uh, in, the the IR. I didn't realize I had unlimited IR slots, and I threw somebody back I shouldn't have. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, oh, yeah, I've, no, I've noticed there's really some interesting take. rules. In, it's in those... on on Roto too, yeah. which I'm not used to like that format at all. You know, um, which is a bad excuse, but. Uh, I've taken my lumps and, you know, I'm, I'm back. I just missed the playoffs. Uh, I was battling until the last week. Um, I, 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 you know, 
are going to be in this year. As long, you know, as long as some things work out and we get a season, uh, I'm pretty comfortable. Beautiful. But uh, we definitely will. But uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. I could sit here and talk to you about a, a bunch of this stuff all night. It's uh, really, really awesome stuff. But like you said, there's tons of streams. There's tons of podcasts, tons of great content over at Prospects Live that uh, everyone can check out. Go ahead and plug away your, your Twitter handle and, and anything else you want to get to. Yeah, at Prospects Live on Twitter. Um, follow us on YouTube, uh, Prospects Live. Uh, Brian Sikowski and I from Perfect Game have been breaking down a bunch of different players in the first round. We already got about 15 plus 20 videos up, uh, including even some Juco guys and uh, a guy that no one's seen, that neither of us has seen, which is like no one in the draft. I'm not <laughs> We've literally seen everybody. And that's Landon Knack from East Tennessee State University, guy that popped really, really late. Really interesting name. Um, watch some of those videos. We got a ton of player videos that you can check out. Um, obviously, our MLB draft stream will be going on during the MLB draft. Um, and just uh, you know, daily content on the site and and Twitter and uh, you know, just trying to sort of drive engagement with podcasts and and videos and and you know, uh, you know you know, obviously written and ranks and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we're just, you know, always trying to expand and, and cover more content, but uh, prospectslive.com. And you can find me on Twitter myself at Prospect Jesus. Yep. Highly recommended. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this show, you know, all of that good stuff. So check that out. Sikowski is an awesome guy. He was on the show last year talking to MLB draft, super knowledgeable. So uh, yeah, you got a good partner in crime in that whole deal, but Everybody go check all that out. And until next time, thanks for joining me, Ralph. This was Benched with Bubba, episode 291. Catch you guys later. Later.